Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Uh, I'm really excited about the word that I want to share uh, today with you guys. It's, it's one of those words that kind of just come from the blood, you know, it comes like from the inside. I'm excited about it. Uh, so if you want to take your Bible and open up to Second Chronicles, that's what we're going to look at. You know, when we take this book right here, we put this book above our heads, which means it's more important than what we think. We put this book above our eyes, which means it's more important than what we see. We put this book above our ears, it's more important than what we hear other people saying and what the world is saying. We put this book above our mouths because it's more important than what we have to say about a matter. We put this book above us because it's more important than what we feel. This book right here. Is Christ on paper. So today we're going to stare at these, uh, these words and let the Lord speak to us. So 2 Chronicles chapter 14 through 16 is what I'm going to be talking about, but the text we're going to look at is 16.9. So this story that I'm going to talk about today comes from 14 through 16, but verse 9 is what we're going to look at of chapter 16. <clears throat> so all my life, how many of you grew up in the church? Let me see your hands. All my life there was these verses that were put on plaques and put in people's homes and you, could, you commit them to memory and, you know, they're just like staple verses. One of those verses that really I heard all my life was this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, which reads, it says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Stop right there. How many of you have heard that verse before? You've often heard it misquoted by saying, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth looking for a heart completely his, which is the same kind of spirit of it, but it's missing the middle part. But there's something about this verse that is so rich, you could literally drink from this verse for the rest of your life. Just sitting back and looking at what's said here. The eyes of the Lord, which means the Lord has eyes, which means the Lord can see, which means the Lord sees me, <laughs> And the, the, the fact that the, the Lord has eyes shows us that he's looking for something. This right here is in, it's, it's just astounding that God Almighty, the Bible says, he humbles himself to look upon the heavens and the earth. It's an act of humility for God to put his attention upon this planet and upon these people that are here, worms like us. But the scripture shows us here, the eyes of the Lord are looking for something, which reminds me of Jesus in John chapter 4. He says, the Father looks for worshipers. He looks for something. Here, the Lord looks for the one whose heart is completely his, which shows me something that worship and your heart being completely his are the same thing. If your heart be completely God's, you can pick up a straw to the glory of God. If your heart be completely God's, even washing dishes is worship. Because worship is everything that comes forth from your life that is heart love to the Lord. So this is an amazing verse. A heart completely His. I mean, think about what the heart is. The Bible tells us lots of awesome things about the heart. One, that the thoughts of a man and the words of a man issue out of his heart. Uh, the scriptures tell us also, above all else, guard your heart, because from your heart flows the springs or the issues of life. 
Jesus says that the Pharisees, they worship him in vain because they honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. It's the heart that God sees. There's an old quote that says, God alone sees the heart and the heart alone sees God. The heart is what God is looking for. When there is a heart in a room that is completely after God, that's the glitter that catches God's eye. And he's looking around for these shining, glowing hearts that are completely turned towards him. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. He wants to show himself strongly on behalf of those whose heart is completely his. What an amazing statement, right? But there's something more about this statement. The statement itself is astounding, but who said it? To who and why makes the statement even more powerful. How many know that context brings out the power of any text? Texts are awesome. We love them. You can drink from the text. But when you grab context, the text has more weight and more power. Let's just take a, a stroll back in time and look at where this beautiful statement comes from, okay? I'm going to animate this story a little bit just to kind of bring it home, okay? <clears throat> Once upon a time, there was a wicked king and an even more wicked queen. The scripture says that this king who's wicked, his heart does not wholly follow the Lord. And his wife, who's the queen, she's an idol erector. She literally makes idols. There's darkness that covers the entire land because of tolerated idolatries and idols everywhere and a heart from a king that is not completely God's. But the scripture says, that they had a son, and his, their son's name is Asa, A-S-A, -A, Asa. Asa means restorer. When Asa is born, check this out. The scripture says that Asa sought the Lord with all his heart. Now, the question comes to my mind because I love to meditate upon the word. How many of you are with me? You love to just really think these things through. Let them be created by the fingers of the spirit in front of your face. Well, as I'm thinking about this, I thought to myself, how can you have a wicked father who does not follow the Lord with all his heart and an evil mother who worships idols and yet you follow the Lord with all your heart? First lesson I learned is that seeking the Lord with all my heart will break the curses from my bloodline, praise God. <laughs> but so we see here something absolutely astounding. This boy breaks the mold. And my mind just begins to create a scenario. And maybe one day as Asa was gallivanting through the palace, he spotted an old wooden door in the basement of the castle. He's intrigued and he approaches it with great curiosity. He pushes the door slightly open and he finds a room full of old scrolls from ceiling to floor. And maybe he walked over to one. He grabbed one of those scrolls. He unrolled it. He blows the dust off of it. And he reads the heading. These are the journals of King. King David. 
And maybe as he's there and he's looking at this giant slayer king that he knows all about because David's legacy continues on and he sees this, oh, I want to see what this giant slayer has to say. Let me look at his journals. And while he's reading, maybe he read something like this, my soul pines for you, God. Maybe he read something like this, earnestly do I seek you and I cling to you, God. Maybe as he's reading, he scrolls down a little further and then he sees Psalm 104. I seek the Lord and his strength and I seek his face continually. Or Psalm 73, there is nothing on the earth that I desire besides you, Lord. Maybe as he's reading these things, he sees as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you, oh God. Maybe his eyes came across Psalm 119 verse 10 that says, with my whole heart I seek you, God. And maybe right there, as he's, as he's looking through these scrolls, he grabs another one, he opens it up, he blows the dust off of it, and maybe the title said something like this, King David's advice to his son Solomon before he becomes king. And then Asa says, I'm going to soon become king. Let me read what this great giant slayer, king, man after God's own heart, had to say to his son before he became king. And this is what his eyes would have seen. If you seek the Lord... He will let you find him. And maybe as he he sees this and he reads these words, if you seek the Lord, he'll let you find him. Maybe right there the spirit began to come down from above upon him. And maybe he was lifted up by the presence of the spirit. And he heard a voice in his ear that said, this is the way, walk ye in it. Maybe right there, looking at this old text from David Seeking God's face, maybe that's the thing that shifted Asa's life. Could be. It seems like it's been that way in my life. You? That God breaks open the scriptures and speaks with his living voice and he causes the dead parts of you to come alive. Jesus says, there's a day coming and now is when men will hear the voice of the Son of God and they'll be raised from the dead. Yes, it's coming. He shall shout from the sky and every dead person that's ever died, whether they were cremated or in the bottom of the sea, they will come back to life. That same voice even now is speaking and if you listen to it, those dead parts of you will begin to come alive again. Praise God. Praise God. So we look at this here and we see this craving on the inside of David that had to have bled its way into Asa. I think of like different saints of the past that moved my own heart. Maybe you've read some as well. John G. Lake crying out on the side of the street. There's, there's writings of him saying that he would be so overwhelmed with hunger for God that while walking down the street, he would just cry out, Oh God, I want you so bad, God. I think back on old Puritan writings like this. They write, No hours pass away with such delight as those spent in communion with thee. I wish to spend all my time on thee. Help me to make you my only end. Or the great Charles Spurgeon who says wild statements of love like this. It is worthwhile to have lived if for nothing else than to have had a half an hour's fellowship with the well-beloved. Did you hear that? It's worthwhile to have lived for this one thing, a half an hour with God. Robert Murray McShane said an hour with God is worth a lifetime with any man. David Brainerd in these parts, going by horseback trying to find the Indians, 
He's dying of tuberculosis. He's coughing up pieces of his lungs. And with a red smile, he sits down to write in his journal every night. And one night, with a red smile from blood of coughing up pieces of his lungs, he writes, an hour with God infinitely excels all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. What is that? That's this craving, this yearning. Samuel Rutherford's put in prison for preaching Christ. And there, while he's there, he writes... His presence eats the bitterness out of all suffering and sorrow. His presence. I'm telling you, something happened to Asa, and it had to be that he read the word of God. Something happened to Asa that shifted his whole life, his whole mind, his whole perspective, his whole heart. It had to be that life-changing living word. So we see amazing things here. He reforms the nation. He values the word of God so much, he brings back the teaching of the law, and he sends teachers out everywhere to get the word of God spreading out. If you're going to reform anything, you're going to have to reform it with the word of God being taught. Praise God. And not only this, but he seeks God, and he makes a covenant. Listen to this. This is how radical Asa is. He makes a covenant with the people that we will seek God with all our hearts or be put to death. You say, bro, that's really severe. Well, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I'd rather die than not seek God with all my heart. Asa has this burning on the inside of him. The Lord was with him. The scripture says that men gathered to him. Under Asa, the land was blessed for 10 years. On every side, he had peace. God blesses him. Then I can just see some old man who's seeing the blessing upon this young man start saying, ah, well... Anybody can seek the Lord with all their heart when they haven't had any trials. So maybe the Lord heard this. And he said, oh, you think Asa seeks me with all his heart because it hasn't had any trials? Okay, I'll stir up Ethiopia and send them against him. And what happens is Ethiopia rises up against Asa. Now, here's the crazy thing about Ethiopia. Only one time in the entire Old Testament is the word million used. One million. One time. And it is the army size of Ethiopia. Ethiopia has the largest army in the entire Old Testament. And they come against this man whose heart is completely God's. You know what he does, though? When he has this pressure. Isn't that interesting? That pressure always makes us aware of what's really there. But when a man's heart is completely God's, pressure only increases prayer. Asa goes to God. <laughs> and then Asa, he goes to God, and this is what he does. He says a couple of things here. He actually acknowledges to God that he is not able to do this himself. And he looks to God for help. And you know what God does? God delivers Ethiopia into his hand. Such a large army gets defeated by this man whose heart is completely God's. Charles Spurgeon says Ethiopia's army was so big they could have carried Judah away in handfuls. <laughs> That's how large the army is, but yet God comes to his aid because he acknowledges his weakness. He acknowledges he needs help, and he puts his trust in God again. Pressure only increases prayer in those whose hearts are completely given to God. God gives him in his enemies into his hand. And now the plunder has made Asa extremely rich. He is filthy rich now, blessed on every side. He continues to purge the land of sin. Check this out. He goes and finds all his mom's erected idols and he crushes them under his feet. <laughs> what a wild man. 
He's not going to tolerate anything from his bloodline that's not in alignment with God. I'm crushing all of it underneath my feet. Praise God. So you see this here with him. And not watch this. For 36 years. 36 years. I'm 42. Got saved at 15. That's not been 36 years. I don't, no, I don't think it's been 36 years. But 36 years, he sought the Lord with all of his heart. 36, not 36 weeks, not 36 months, not three years and six months. 36 years, his heart remains completely given to God. Now, the interesting thing happens here, that after 36 years, another king rises against him. After years of prosperity, years of being blessed, years of being the only king who has conquered Ethiopia. Maybe he thought to himself, I don't really need anything anymore. I've got everything. Maybe he thought to himself, I don't need to seek God as intensely as I used to. Maybe he thought to himself, I've arrived. I've, I've broken through. I got my breakthrough. Maybe he thought to himself, I've restored the land. I've conquered the largest enemy. I'm the greatest king, really, in Israel's history. And as God does, in order to save us from ourselves, he sends pressure again. I read the other day, pressure saves us from self-deception. Pride needs winter weather to wither it. And so he sends pressure. And this is how pressure comes. Another king comes up against him. But you know what Asa does this time? He's a little bit different. Look at what he does. He begins to put his trust in his gold, the gold he got from his God. He puts his trust. You can cheat on God with stuff God gave you. Yeah. Say, so how did he put his trust in his gold? Well, he looks for money to pay the king of Aram to come and, uh, to come and help him. So he looks to a man. Can you help me? He doesn't look up. He looks over. Instead of looking up to God, he looks down to his gold. His eyes are not up like they were. Samuel Rutherford gave advice one time, and he said, never look below God. What a wonderful piece of advice. And if Asa would have done just that, he would have found deliverance again. But watch, watch what happens here. And he pays the king of Iran to help him. Now, here's the crazy thing. It succeeds, which shows me something. Just because something succeeds doesn't mean it meets God's pleasure. Just because something works doesn't mean God's happy. And so here he is. It works. His human ingenuity worked. His trust in his gold worked. His trust in man worked. But here's the most amazing part. And this is where we are brought to our scripture. I want you to imagine with me. There's a knock at the door. And, and massive, just see them in your mind's eye, massive 30-foot copper doors are opened by soldiers. And there comes walking in an old prophet. <laughs> and he slowly approaches, probably looking something like Gandalf. <laughs> Long white beard, leaning on a staff. And he says, <laughs> and he says this, who are you? And the prophet says, I'm a prophet of Yahweh. My name is Hanani. What can I do for you? He smiles. This old prophet leaning on his staff smiles and he says, Oh, king, do you remember Ethiopia? 
when the Lord came through for you and he gave you deliverance over the largest army in history. Do you remember this? Of course I remember this. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> of course I remember that the Lord delivered me. Then I can see him grabbing his staff. His, pro his posture changes a little bit. And he points his staff right at him and his eyes begin to glow anointed by the Holy Ghost. And he looks at him and he says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. Looking basically for a heart that's completely his, but you're a fool because you have not trusted in God. Is that exactly what it says? Something like that. <laughs> you're a fool. Then he says, peace will be removed from your life. You have fallen into foolery. Our great statement that we love so much, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, it's a rebuke. It's a rebuke to a man who used to trust in God and has begun to trust in his gold. It's a rebuke to a man who walked faithfully with God for many years, but now he's cold. So this moves my heart. You know, the interesting thing about this is Hanani, he, he has no prophecies before this and he has no prophecies after this. His whole life shut up with God prepared him for one statement that hangs over somebody's fireplace 2,000 years later. Which shows me something. One word from God is worth a million volumes from men. Matthew Henry says, It is foolishness to trust in broken cisterns when we can lean upon the rock of ages. Praise God. Oh, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee, the old hymn says. So God gave him gold, and he put his trust in his gold. Again, you can cheat on God with stuff God gave you. No longer valued covenant after this. He doesn't have that great respect for the covenant anymore, and his character began to fail once his heart wasn't whole. How you treat people exposes the condition of your heart. And this is what we see. He's changing here, so he changes out here. Anger burns towards the prophet. He actually says, take this prophet out of my sight. Put his feet in stocks and put him in prison. So they take him out, which shows me something. When our hearts begin to get cold, the word of God agitates and irritates us. It makes us angry. Also, we see that he becomes, after this, the scripture says that he became crippled, which I think is very interesting. He took the word of God, the prophet, and put his feet in stocks. And the, what happens to him is his feet become lame. He put the prophet in stocks. God put him in stocks. How you treat the word of God. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> so, let us seek to live wholeheartedly unto the Lord. George Mueller writes this, when I came into full surrender of heart four years after my conversion, the love of money was gone. The love of place was gone. The love of position was gone. The love of the world and worldly pleasures was gone. God and God alone became my portion. I found my all in him and I wanted nothing else but him. That's a heart completely given to God. It's the safest place to be. Hudson Taylor writes, The secret of an unsatisfied life lies too often in an unsurrendered heart. 
Oftentimes we sabotage the happiness God has designed and desires to give to us because we won't let go of something in our hearts. But let's move on to my last point here. Though we must cry to the Lord to give us undivided hearts, as, as David writes in Psalm 86.1, unite my heart, Lord, to fear you. The greatest recognition you can make and I, I can make is this, that we can't even keep our own hearts. It's best to say, Lord, I can't keep it, so I give it to you, and then it will be kept. But as we look at this, we, we begin to see a few things. As we learn the lessons from Asa's life, we lift our eyes even higher than our own surrender to the one who God said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. All the kings of Israel and Judah could only constitute a faint and a failing foreshadow of the excellencies of the king of kings. Praise God. Men succeed in certain ways and fail in many others. The best of men are men at best, as Spurgeon coined so well. But Jesus Christ is above the rest. Jesus is God's king. He's called the chiefest among 10,000, fairer than the sons of men. The scripture says, who in the skies is like you? Who among the sons of the mighty is like you? You are God greatly feared in the council of the holy. Far above all who surround you, there is no one like you. See, Asa broke away from his heritage to seek the Lord, but Jesus broke away from humanity. For indeed, it was fitting that he should have a priesthood as one who is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Asa is great, and I love the guy, but the reality is he reformed the nation for a little while, but Jesus Christ brings the new covenant. He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Asa trusted God and the greatest army was conquered, but Jesus trusted in God and overcame the world, the flesh, sin, and the devil. Praise God. Asa is, he's, he's amazing. And he crushed his mother's idol underneath his feet, but soon Jesus Christ shall crush Satan underneath his feet. Praise God. Asa is awesome, but there is one who stands high above him. Asa was faithful for 36 years, but unto him is given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and all nations and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that cannot be destroyed, and forever we will sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the land be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, Eric, what, what is the point of your message? I'm inspired by Asa's early life, but I'm instructed by his end. But seeing Jesus as he really is, causes me to say there is only one who's worthy. <laughs> there is only one found worthy, Jesus the Christ. And I turn your eyes, even as I turn my own eyes, through the text to Jesus, the highest seat. 
I wrote this poem down one time. It says, he's greater than the angels, and he's higher than the priests. And every knee will bow to his exalted seat. There's seven stars in his hand, and every crown is at his feet. Complete and perfect are his ways. He's the ancient of days. The earth and sky flee from his face. He's a person, a taste, a resting place. Oh, a refuge for any case. And oh, hasten the day when my faith shall be sight. And because he is bright, my clothes become white. Oh, light, life, love. It's Jesus above all. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He said, Eric, I, I, I just need you, to, I need you to bring it home and tell me exactly what you're, what you're saying. I'm saying, let's be inspired to seek God with all our hearts. And let us recognize the danger of not seeking God with all of our hearts. And this is how you seek God with all your heart, recognizing the greatness and the majesty and the glory of this man, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you stand with me? your hand on your heart with me. Let's do this together. Just with sincerity of heart. Because God's not listening to our words. He's listening to our hearts, really. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I offer my heart to you because I cannot keep it myself. But I can continually give it. And today, I freshly give my whole heart to you. Keep it, Lord, because I turn my eyes up to you who sit upon the throne. I lift you higher than my life. I lift you higher than myself. I lift you higher than this world. Take the highest seat in my life. In your precious name, Jesus' name, amen, amen. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys, God bless you, and have the best day of your life.